Welcome to the Why on Earth Community Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron William Perry, and today we're visiting with Sheila Foster, the Executive Director of the Biodynamic Demeter Alliance. And uh, Sheila, it's so great to have this opportunity to visit with you today. Thank you. It's really nice to be here, Aaron. As uh, you probably noticed, I, I almost stumbled on Biodynamic Demeter Alliance because, and, and we'll chat about this for a moment later on, uh, it's the new name resulting from the recent merger of two different uh, organizations that have been so uh, instrumental in advancing the biodynamic uh, farming, agriculture, gardening, and uh, land stewardship movement. Um, and I'm just so thrilled, Sheila, that we have this opportunity to chat about this because it's one of the things that's very near and dear to my heart. Thanks. Yeah, it's a humdinger of a name. I think at some point in the, our branding process, we're going to have to figure out how to make it less of a tongue tire. <laughs> Uh, I, I can get used to it. Biodynamic Demeter Alliance. I just um, just sort of rolls yeah, off your tongue. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Sheila Foster has worked across the spectrum of the environmental and food system movement for more than two decades. A successful nonprofit leader and scientist at heart, her work has focused on the belief that hope for the world lies in the intricate web that ties us all together and our ability to nurture and care for each other, the soil, and our fellow living beings. Through her experience nationally and internationally, she has seen that one of the greatest avenues for creating a thriving world is through the principles and values of biodynamic agriculture. A mother and a fan of walking any time she can, Sheila spends whatever free time she has enjoying her daughter walking in the woods and connecting with her local community. She lives in Southern Oregon on lands that have been stewarded since time immemorial by the Takelma, Latagua, and Shasta peoples. And uh, Sheila, I um, last summer had the opportunity to travel right through uh, your neck of the woods, as it were, uh, with my sweetheart, Caressa, and was there uh, the year prior with my son, Hunter. It's such a special, magical land uh, where you're located. Um, maybe just just to kick us off and, and just to give us a sense of the place where we're speaking with you today, tell us a bit about what, what it's like in your region right now. Yeah, I, I love this region. You know, it's a very unique place in the world because it has two mountain ranges. It has the uh, Cascades and it has the Siskiyous, and it's one of the only places in the world that has two mountain ranges that meet. So you have an east-west and north-south mountain range, which means that if you live in town, you're surrounded by mountains on three sides, which is really just spectacular. Um, beautiful uh, pine trees and deciduous forests. And um, it, it's been a really special place. You know, there's hot springs and stuff here. And so this, this area actually, for thousands of years was a place where people came for healing um, because of the hot springs. And you can still feel it today. Uh, there's something in the air. Um, and I've loved living here. I've been here for 
um, close to 20 years now. And it's just one of those special places in the world. And today it is 80 degrees and the leaves are starting to change and it's beautiful. Mm. Oh, I can just, I can just picture it and uh, absolutely love that part of our world, our continent, Turtle Island. And uh, thanks for, thanks for painting that picture for us. So biodynamics and we've got such an important announcement to share in this podcast episode which is a very special conference coming up in november uh right here in colorado uh in westminster between denver and boulder colorado where many from around north america are going to be gathering to celebrate and share and learn and teach about the biodynamics movement. And Sheila, in addition to the conference, this is also a very special time, right? Because we're coming up on the 100 year anniversary of the biodynamic movement. And, and maybe just to uh, cue all that up for you, can you just walk us into, I know a lot of our audience is familiar with biodynamics, but not everybody. Can you just walk us through what what is biodynamics? Why is it different from some of the other agricultural methods out there and, and how did it how did it come to be yeah that's a big question so um so right now uh you're right we're having the national biodynamic conference it's going to be in westminster um very nicely situated between denver and boulder and it's november 8th to the 12th and we're bringing in people from all over the world um we're bringing in national speakers that we're very excited to have. Um, really, the goal of that conference is, you know, it's been four years since we've had a national conference because of the pandemic and um, all the changes that happened in our world. And so we're really excited to have everybody come together and especially excited that we're able here in the United States to launch the 100-year celebration of biodynamics. And that started in 1924 and it evolved because there were farmers in Europe that were very concerned about what was happening because World War II had happened. There were lots of weapons that were left over, chemicals from those weapons that were left over. And it was discovered that uh, they could be used as um, fertilizers for the soils. And farmers were really concerned about what they saw happening. And so, um, they went to an Austrian philosopher and scientist named Rudolf Steiner, and they said, help us. We don't know what to do here. We're concerned this is gonna impact the nutrients and the nutritional quality of the food. We don't know what the environmental damage is gonna be, but really, frankly, they were primarily concerned about what was happening to the quality of the food. And um, Steiner is a very wise human being and he, agreed that this was a problem that needed to be addressed and eventually through the years got talked into um, holding a series of lectures, eight lectures. And it's those eight lectures that form the foundation of the principles of biodynamics. And um, from there, um, various people came to the United States It started spreading around the world. In Europe, um, it is Demeter, is the certification and um, biodynamics and Demeter certification is the most trusted certification in Europe. There's 
thousands of farms that are Demeter certified. Um, it really was the basis of uh, the organic movement. And today, any Demeter certified farm starts with a foundation of meeting the uh, organic standards and then goes beyond that. Um, there, the United States, for one reason or another, it didn't take off as fast and as quickly as it did throughout uh, Europe. Um, but it's starting to really take hold, particularly in the wine industry. And I think the main reason for that is that vineyards are very concerned about quality, of course. They're producing a product and they are really interested in being able to find the individuality of the land on which the grapes are grown. And so biodynamic practices are all about that. It's really about, um, so one of the things that I often think about with biodynamics is, you know, Rudolf Steiner also created Waldorf education. And um, one of the aspects of Waldorf education is that as a teacher, your job is really to find the individuality of your of the child that you're teaching and to bring that forth. So a lot of other education programs, it's you know, opening up the child's mind and pouring knowledge in. And through Waldorf education, the belief is a lot more around uh, finding how that what's the gift that this child is bringing into the world and how do you as the teacher enliven that and bring that forth. As a biodynamic farmer, it's a really similar philosophy. How, as a farmer, do you look at your land? And so one of the aspects of biodynamics is that they look at the farm as one whole organism. So how do you, as a, as a farmer, how do you bring alive that individuality? What is the gift that this land can bring? And how do you work in the relationships between all the beings that are on your land to grow food and be a thriving community? And so that's really the foundation. So all the practices and principles are based around that idea of how do we create a, a thriving, enlivened ecosystem that can produce food, that nourishes people, and that really holds what is the essence of that plant, that fruit, whatever it is that the food is. And so, um, you know, sourcing your fertility close to the farm or on the farm, building compost piles, building soil, really working with the soil to build up those microbial relationships that happen between the plants and the microbes in the soil. Um, there's preparations that are created that are um, used to help sort of jumpstart the compost piles and get that microbial action going. Um, the livestock is a very important part of a biodynamic farm because, um, you know, it's seen as a whole ecosystem. And so rather than whereas a lot of uh, agro businesses, you know, you have giant feedlots with all the cattle crammed into a pen and things like that, which beyond um, not being sustainable environmentally is obviously horrible for the animals. And so making sure that we're treating all of the beings, animals and plants on our land with respect and and thinking about what they need. That's a really important aspect. So like you don't cut the horns off the cattle. Um, you know, you you're you're not clipping the horns off the goats, things like that. Um, so there's this honoring of all of the creatures on your land. And then that full cycle that those creatures bring of 
you know, they eat the plants and the ground cover and then the manure that they leave behind can then nourish the plants and it becomes, you're keeping a nutrient cycle. And that's the real meaning of regenerative. And so biodynamic in many ways goes beyond regenerating the land, it's restoring the land and then it continues to regenerate. So many, many times people can go, farmers have gone on to land that folks have said this, you can't do anything with this land. It's it's gone. Good luck. And then they'll start implementing biodynamic practices. And lo and behold, this life springs forth because it's this cultivation of the life, the life force that's there on that land. So what do we do? What do we need to do to bring that forward? So I think um, there are a whole host of reasons why people become biodynamic farmers, but I think ultimately people continue farming biodynamically because it's successful. You end up with wonderful um, production. You end up with beautiful crops. You end up with a life that um, is much more rewarding. You're not just a cog in the wheel as a farmer. You're actually there interacting with your land in a really positive way. And um, I think that's what all farmers want, whether they're biodynamic or not. And biodynamic practices gives you a pathway to build those relationships. Yeah, it's 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 so beautiful, and it it just gives me this deeper sense of hope, Sheila. Hearing about where biodynamics come from, the origin story, if you will, and how biodynamics are helping us in communities worldwide at this point. And, you know, right here, I'm, I'm located at Elk Run Farm, a small uh, drylands agroecology farm outside of Boulder and Lyons, Colorado, that is one of the uh, farms on your uh, curated visit schedule for the upcoming conference. And yep. here, my, my friends, Nick Domenico and Marissa Pulaski, each of whom have had their own individual podcast episode, we, we call it the his and hers uh, pairing, um, set right in this amazingly abundant garden sanctuary that's been created in a, in a location that was really degraded, verging on desertified through poor management practices. And this is already a semi-arid region, right? So if things are not being cared for in a certain way, and if the natural uh, cycles with the ruminants and, you know, pre-colonialization here, of course, the buffalo, the bison, the elk were uh, doing their thing and keeping the regenerative cycles intact as a result. But nowadays, uh, it's, it's the willful intent of the farmers and land stewards like Nick and Rissa, and of course, our friends, Brooke and Rose up at Sustainable Settings a few hours from here are doing such extraordinary work. And I've experienced this firsthand, right? So I have in my own embodied knowledge, uh, the understanding of, of what's really possible. And I know for many of us who haven't yet experienced this directly, there, there's a really special invitation in all of this to not only hear the knowledge and and pursue the understanding in terms of a cognitive 
uh, awareness, but but also to visit some of these places and experience the various foods and wines and offerings that are coming from these very special uh, farms, these very special uh, relationships. And I think that's another key in all of this. It's not the industrial model, as you're saying, it, it's very much a, a relationship based model of reverence, reciprocity, respect. This is really important, especially in these times, in my opinion, Sheila. Um, and, you know, I, I ended up writing a novel about all of this called Veriditas, right? And in the story, the characters, the main character, Brigitte Sophia, actually visits several of the farms that you guys are including on your tour at the conference. And so I'm just, I'm so excited how this is all kind of weaving uh, together. And I wanted to just read a quick quote from here that is quoting Rudolf Steiner. Uh, and he said, and, and this is really echoing what you're saying about the origins uh, after after the World War One with the chemical based agriculture really coming online. He said, the most important thing is to make the benefits of our agricultural preparations available to the largest possible areas over the entire earth so that the earth may be healed and the nutritive quality of its produce improved in every respect. This is a problem of nutrition. Nutrition as it is today does not supply the strength necessary for manifesting the spirit in physical life. A bridge can no longer be built from thinking to will and action. Food plants no longer contain the forces people need for this. And so this is obviously getting a bit outside the box of how we ordinarily think and talk about agriculture and practice agriculture. And I think what Steiner's articulating for us is, is incredibly profound. And I'm curious if you might share with us, opine with us for a few minutes, what what your experience is of, of this wellspring of wisdom that Rudolf Steiner has shared with the world. Well, I think it's really interesting. You know, there's um, been some research that's been done quite a bit, actually, around um, nutrition and the impact of nutrition. And um, one of the things that I found really interesting was um, that, you know, as a human being, the cell that created you as, an, as a human being was actually a cell so women are born with all of their eggs intact. And so the cell that created me was actually created in my grandmother's body, right? So that is a really interesting thing when you think about this whole nutrition aspect, because Steiner was writing those words back in 1920, 1930. And here we are a hundred years later. And so it's actually my generation, your generation, that are feeling the impacts of what Steiner was talking about back in the 1920s, right? There was this ability to kind of crawl our way through it up until now. And I think we're starting to see the very real impacts of exactly what was being talked about. You know, you, um, we have enormous problems with obesity and we can, there's all kinds of reasons for that, right? Part of the reason is, you know, the way our agri uh, agricultural system is where it heavily promotes all kinds of foods that aren't actually as, they're not only not as nutritional as we need, but they're 
the whole diet isn't as healthy as we need it to be. So there's all kinds of reasons of people have to, you know, one of the problems I think of biodynamic food is that often it's priced out of reach for a lot of people that really that's something that we all as a community need to find a way to tackle is how do we make truly nutritious food accessible to everybody? It should not be that there's this divide in that that. The has and has nots literally means that the have nots will not have access to really nutritious food. Like I used to work in the farm to school world and it's an enormous divide that can happen for children once they hit about second grade. And you know, you have the kids that have wealth and are able to bring their own lunches to school and, and these are all these organic foods and all this other stuff. And then you have the kids that are being fed, you know, processed food and all the rest of the stuff and and it's they both have to go into class after lunch and take the same math test you know and, and is that fair so there's all of these equity issues that are tied into it and all sorts of things like that and i think i think steiner was seeing that he was seeing that this life force that as a humanity we need to have and heavens when have we needed a life force more than now Right. Like all of these problems that um, people were predicting and Steiner was in the lead of all of that, that people were predicting were going to be problems. They're now the the chickens have come home to roost. Thank you very much. And we need to start dealing with it. And so I think um, it's made it so that biodynamic practices in terms of their ability to uh, store water with the way in which soil is taken care of, the importance of biodiversity and what's happened with the loss of biodiversity, the nutritional value, all of those practices are things our world really needs. And included in that is a need to take a, a step back and say, okay, what's really important here? We don't need, need to be this mechanized civilization that only thinks about how much profit we're making all the time. Of course, we have to make sure that farmers are making money and that communities are making money. And we can't pretend that money isn't important because it is. But there are ways in which we can approach that where we can make decisions about what is the true cost of some of the activities that we're doing. You know, there are, you could say that that you know, hothouse tomato that you pick up at some conventional grocery store is cheaper than that beautiful biodynamic tomato that you pick up from your local farmer's market. But the cost, the actual environmental cost, the human cost, the health cost, that like start adding those dollars and cents onto that vegetable that has chemicals that have been sprayed, soil that's been degraded, nutritional value that's been degraded. Those are enormous costs that all of us are bearing. So let's do a reset. Let's look at, okay, how do we take all of those costs into account and start actually paying the farmers that are doing the right thing, the money that they need to make a living so they wanna keep doing it and create a world that is actually sustainable for us and for future generations and take responsibility in that way and hold companies to that standard and say, it's not good enough anymore. You can't just 
you know, have your profits for your shareholders. We all are shareholders. This is our planet. We all need to be able to have a say in how this world is taken care of. That's so, so beautifully put, Sheila. And uh, my goodness, we uh, have a project ongoing right now related to regenerative finance and ecocene economics, right? And so, so much of what you're speaking to extends way beyond, you know, what we think of when we're talking about agriculture and food per se into this entire uh, human experience and experiment that we're participating in worldwide right now. And it is really clear, I think, to so many of us that uh, we we really have a lot to heal and transform. And thankfully, there are a number, a growing number, perhaps, of amazing folks really engaged in that healing and transformational work. And w one of the things I'm super excited about with the work you're doing and the upcoming conference is is how you're convening so many amazing folks uh, on these topics, speaking, giving workshops and lectures. And, and I wanted to maybe just ask you about a few of the folks that will be at the conference to share with our audience and really encourage folks. By the way, I, you can go to biodynamicconference.com uh, to register and encourage you to do so there there are uh, tours to farms in the area as part of the programming and then at the Westin hotel several days of programming right then and there um maybe maybe sheila you could tell us a bit about some of the speakers who will be there and some of the experiences folks can have by uh, attending the conference yeah so opening the conference i'm I was so excited when Liz Carlisle said yes. So Liz Carlisle has written a phenomenal book called Healing Grounds. And it's looking at traditional ecological knowledge. It's looking at black farmers. It's looking at a lot of people of color and old traditions and, and discoveries that are, are coming, you know, old knowledge that's coming back to help heal our earth. And um, so Ida Guzman is going to be joining her. She is, Ida is a researcher in the Central Valley who's looking at the relationship between um, biodiversity above the ground and biodiversity below the ground in terms of how gardens are planted and things like that. Um, but Liz's book, if you haven't had a chance to pick it up, I highly recommend it. It's amazing. One beautiful story after the next. So she's opening the conference or they're opening the conference. Because I think one of the things that we're really interested in is bringing as many people together as possible. And that, that's, of course, the whole biodynamic community. And it's also, there are, we have so many allies and we all need to be working together to move our planet towards the direction. And much of biodynamics is based on very ancient knowledge that indigenous peoples around the world have been practicing for thousands of years. And so it's really important for us to create the space and create the conversations and whatever it takes so that we're listening to each other and learning from each other. And so that's kicking the conference off. And we also have Constant Washburn, Constance Washburn, who's with um, Joanna Macy. I don't know if you know of her uh, work, but she has the work that reconnects. So Constance is, is bringing Joanna Macy's work to the conference and she's going to help kind of open the ceremony. And then we'll have all kinds of things to, 
to uh, greet people. So that's uh, one of our keynotes. We're having Nikki Silvestri is uh, speaking on Friday. Nikki helps create the People's Grocery in Oakland. Uh, she was the founder of um, Soil and Shadow, which is her current organization. And she was also the former CEO of Green for All, which is Van Jones's uh, organization. And so she's been a wonderful advocate for um, sustainable, regenerative agriculture. Um, and she is now really looking at how do we take those principles and apply those to human systems? So what's what are the lessons in biodiversity that we can bring to human systems in terms of human diversity and why that creates a much stronger, more resilient community? So she's gonna be talking about ways in which we can nourish ourselves, build our organization, because as we're working towards this movement that really is trying to change the world, we need to understand, like we have to take care of ourselves, we have to take care of the planet. So those are some wisdom that we're bringing from that. And then on Saturday, we have the honor of having, having Woody Tash there, and he is gonna be talking about slow money. And so the economic aspects, and we've got Martin Ping, who's the ED for Hawthorne Valley, is gonna join him on stage for a conversation to talk about like, What's this mean economically? How can we be investing in ways that are really taking care of the planet? And then on the last day, we have a panel of wonderful, amazing biodynamic farmers that are just gonna talk about where is biodynamics and how do we take this into the future? And, um, and all through the whole days, we've got the field trips that you've mentioned. On Wednesday, on Thursday, we have full day and half day workshops, including things like a wine intensive. We have an advisor training for one of the things, one of the bottlenecks that we're finding in the biodynamic movement, getting more practices on the ground is we need more advisors. So we're in the process of launching advisor training so that farmers with all this knowledge can learn about how to start advising other farmers and they can retire from their farm and go out and help start new younger farms. Um, so there's all sorts of workshops happening on Thursday. And then one of the things that we're doing that I'm really excited about is we have workshops each morning, um, where you sign up for one workshop and for three days, you'll attend the same workshop. So it builds on itself. And we've got a wide variety of, um, people who are teaching that one of the, um, workshops I'm really excited about with that is. We have the honor of Winona LaDuke and her mother, Betty LaDuke, are coming, and they are leading a workshop on finding your voice through art and action. Um, so really helping all of us discover what, where is our voice in trying to create this change. And then we have Penny Livingston, who's a big fan of, of the Dryland Ecology Center, and Gabby Gonzalez, who's working on a, a, a place similar to the Dryland Ecology Center in Mexico, and they're going to be having a whole water workshop. So we're excited about that. We've got another workshop that's on land access, another one that's on um, looking at uh, power and uh, love on the on a farm and how do we create more equality and farm workers, which is really important. You know, one of the things that uh, we have in the biodynamic movement a Sikkim in Egypt who's created the economy of love. And so how do how do we start creating more economies of love? 
and we're going to have an associative economic conversation at, that's a three day. So we've got a lot of that happening. And then we have over 40 workshops that happen in the afternoon. So the theme for the work for the conference is healing people on the planet and looking towards the next hundred years of biodynamics. So we have healing spirit, healing the soil, healing. So we have all these tracks that you can take that will allow you to kind of dive into these different aspects of how do we heal as a society and humanity. So that's just a little blink of what we're offering. Yeah, so, so wonderful, Sheila, so wonderful. And again, folks can go to biodynamicconference.com to register. This is uh, November 8 to 12 uh, this year, 2023, right here in Colorado, uh, at, in Westminster and surrounding areas for the farm visits um, between Denver and Boulder. And uh, yeah, what, what an exciting time and what an exciting gathering. Um, I want to be sure to take a moment and just remind folks that this is the Why on Earth Community Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron William Perry, and today we're visiting with Sheila Foster, the Executive Director of the Biodynamic Demeter Alliance. Uh, the upcoming conference, you can go to biodynamicconference.com to register and learn more about what's happening here in a few weeks. You can also go to biodynamics.com uh, to get all kinds of additional information about what's happening in the movement. And I want to be sure to give a shout out to a few of our sponsors who make the Why on Earth Community podcast series possible. This includes Chelsea Green Publishing, which of course is also a sponsor of the Biodynamic Conference. And with Chelsea Green, um, you can go to our whyonearth.org website and go to our partners and supporters page to find special discounts and deals and goodies from a number of our partners, including Chelsea Green. And with them, they're offering a 35% discount on all their books and audiobooks using the code YOE35. Uh, big shout out to Chelsea Green and, of course, also to Purium Organic Superfoods. They're also offering $50 off your first order or 25%, whichever is greater. Waylay Water Soaking Salts. This is uh, one of our social enterprises at the Why on Earth community that is uh, making hemp-infused uh, aromatherapy soaking salts using hemp grown at farms in Colorado that use biodynamic methods. So this is a wonderful way to enhance your own personal self-care, health, and wellness and support some of these farms as well. Of course, a special shout out to Earth Heroes Sustainable Products, to Profitable Purpose Consulting, uh, to Soil Works Garden Preparations, blending uh, biodynamic preps from a number of different farms we're connected to, Earth Coast Productions, uh, and uh, got to give another shout out to our book Veriditas, which talks about a lot of these themes and threads and gives a bit of an intro to biodynamics as well. Um, bringing the reader into a biodynamic workshop experience at sustainable settings. You can find that and many of our other books and resources at whyonearth.org. And finally, a very special shout out to all of our ambassadors, our growing global network of ambassadors doing regenerative, sustainable stewardship, health and wellness work in a variety of contexts and communities. If you haven't yet become an ambassador and you'd like to, you'll get a variety of additional perks like 
access to our behind the scenes segments with our podcast guests, which will also be recording with Sheila after our main interview. And uh, for folks who are part of our monthly giving program, a huge shout out. If you'd like to give at the $33 or greater level, we're happy to send you a jar of the Wele water soaking salts each month as a thank you. So huge shout out to everybody in the community. And uh, Sheila, I know that you've got a number of wonderful uh, folks and companies sponsoring and supporting the conference. And I wanted to be sure to invite you to share um, about some of some of those folks who will be uh, not only making the conference possible, but probably uh, will be at the conference and we might have an opportunity to connect with some of them. Yeah, we have a huge list of uh, sponsors. So very, very grateful for all of those sponsors. Um, Fox Hollow Farm is one of our sponsors and um, we're all excited because they're going to be bringing some of their beautiful beef and we'll be able to provide that at the wine and cheese welcome when they when folks first arrive and then they'll also be at the biodynamic showcase and that's one of the things that's a little different with this year's conferences on saturday from noon until six we're hosting a biodynamic showcase and that is open to the general public it's only thirty dollars and you get three tastes of wine and for another $5, you can have another three tastes uh, and you get a super cute little wine glass that's got um, the logo on the front, the Demeter logo and the Biodynamic Demeter Alliance logo. So um, that'll have tons of vendors there. I'm hoping that um, some of your sponsors of Why on Earth are gonna, I think there's a number of them I know uh, that are gonna be there. So that's an opportunity to actually come and talk to producers uh, and winemakers in particular. We expect to have over 40 different varietals of biodynamic wine there for folks to taste. Um, another sponsor that's gonna be there is JPI and uh, the Josephine Porter Institute is a, a, a an institute of the biodynamic movement that we all love and adore and one of one of the things they do is have preparations, but the other thing they do is they have an amazing bookstore. And so um, they're going to have a bookstore at the conference, but they'll also have a bookstore at the Biodynamic Showcase. So we're very excited about that. Um, the Earth and Humanity Foundation is sponsoring. We also have um, Mercola is one of our sponsors. Um, and they're going to be at the showcase as well with all of their beautiful Soul Spring products. Um, we also have the Biodynamic Demeter, the Biodynamic Federation Demeter International is going to be in attendance. And so uh, there'll be some international products that are at the showcase. Um, and we've had so many wonderful uh, sponsors that have come forward, like uh, Neil and Sons, who does a lot of management of the vineyards in Napa Valley, and they're sponsoring our, our scholarship campaign. So we're right in the middle right now of a really important scholarship campaign because for many farmers and young people, um, frankly, it's just too expensive to try to fly to the conference, pay for the hotel room and 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 all of that's involved with that. And so we wanna make this as accessible as possible. And so um, the scholarship campaign is a way in which we do that. So uh, they've helped to, to provide funding for that. Um, we've also had, um, you know, 
uh, Slow Money is one of our sponsors, which is really nice. Of course, Chelsea Green. So um, we have had tons and tons of wonderful people that are sponsoring the Troon Vineyard. Many of the vineyards are sponsoring the um, the conference and the showcase. So we're very, very lucky. And if you go to biodynamics.com or you go to biodynamicsconference.com, you'll find uh, a list of all the sponsors. And one of the things that is exciting that we're putting out at this year's conference is a biodynamic flavor guide. And that will have a list of all the Demeter certified producers in the United States, as well as regional groups. And it's a great resource just you know, if you're wondering who else is in your state, you can just scan down this list and there's a phone number or an email. You can reach out to them. And all of our sponsors have advertisements in that um, publication as well. So it's made our conference program close to 80 pages long, but it's a resource that hopefully folks want to keep for a long time. That's so great, Sheila. Yeah, what an extraordinary opportunity you know for for folks to uh have these experiences to connect directly and to have resources that will last indefinitely what a what a what a wonderful uh opportunity and i'm, I'm just i'm so thrilled this is happening here in colorado and you know we uh participated in the um conference at lake george back in 2019 before the pandemic i, I led a workshop we had a, a booth and um had so much fun and yeah here we are uh i guess four four years later and uh boy i i know there are probably a whole lot of us really looking forward to getting together and, and sharing in that fellowship in that uh, community and camaraderie that we get to experience in person yeah zoom is awesome but it's not the same as being there yeah no doubt about it well, I am. Uh, I'm so thrilled we've had the opportunity to visit, and you know, we'll we'll do our behind the scenes segment and and dive a little deeper into some of your own uh, personal story and background for our ambassadors. And again, if you're not yet an ambassador and you'd like to become one, you can go to whyonearth.org to uh, get that process started. But uh, I, I want to ask also, Sheila, your your role as executive director. You've had a number of leadership roles um with rogue valley farm to school uh the development director role at lomakatsi restoration project hopefully i'm saying that correctly uh, also development director at science works hands-on museum you've been in a number of leadership roles and have done a lot to build capacity at uh, various organizations working on these interconnected issues i want to ask you as an organizational leader what what are you most excited about with this recent merger of Demeter on the one hand and the Biodynamic Association on the other hand? And, and maybe you can give us a little insight into, um, okay, so we're thinking a bit about the next 100 years, but maybe the next two, three, four, five years from the organization, what are, what are some of the things you guys are looking forward to that you're particularly enthusiastic about as, as executive director? Yeah, so, um, you know, one of the things that we did pretty early on, the organization was formed in January, and then uh, by November, we had, so almost a year ago, we had a retreat where we brought everybody together. You know, one of the big challenges with um, 
a national organization is like ours is that we're fully remote. And so um, being able to bring everybody together is really um, fantastic. And it's really important in terms of being able to build understanding and, and get ideas that we can bounce off each other. So in November, we had a retreat in Point Reyes, California, and we identified four priority areas for the organization. And one priority area was to look at how can we better support farmers who are doing the right thing and trying to regenerate the earth, but they're not really getting paid for it because right now they have to embed all of that work in that bunch of carrots or that head of lettuce that they're trying to sell. And it's not an economically sustainable model. And so we wanna find some ways in which farmers can get paid for the, eco the ecosystem services that they're providing. So that was one priority area is uh, they're working on that on the international level with uh, the Biodynamic Federation Demeter International. They've been piloting uh, an app that they're using in Europe and in Egypt and in South America. And we wanna bring that to the United States so that it can eventually, um, we could have farmers that are able to use this technology. They enter in their different practices it tracks the value of those practices based on the research that uh, these folks have done. And that generates an invoice that we can then take to local government entities, to companies, what have you. So it's finding a pathway for farmers to be able to be paid for more than just the crops that they grow. So that was one priority area. The other priority area that we identified was what are the suite of services that we can be offering as an organization that's really gonna help support and grow the biodynamics in the United States? So what do people need? So they need education programs. We need uh, stronger communication. We need to be able to do different things. So over the last year, we've been looking at, you know, how do we change our farmer training program so that we can bring in more uh, students can we have more online? Can we have more YouTube type quick edit, um, educational videos? Like what are the things that resonate with what people need? So that's um, the second area was developing the suite of services. The national conferences in that suite of services. Okay, we need to, we're a convener. So let's bring everybody together. Cost hundreds of thousands of dollars in case you wondered to bring all these people together. <laughs> so. How do we do that? Let's, that's our job. We we're going to do it. So um, so that's one place. Uh, and one of the priorities is the suite of services. And then um, a third priority area was how do we grow and what are ways in which we can grow the marketplace? So we have a whole branding effort that's been underway that we've been working on for the last year of really trying to get the word out about biodynamics. What does it mean to to be biodynamic, what does it mean for Demeter certification? How does all that work together? Why is it important for the consumer to be thinking about uh, biodynamics and to be supporting Demeter certified producers? So that was, and should we have an online marketplace? Are there things we can do in terms of economic development regionally and locally? So looking at those sorts of the building the marketplace for biodynamics, and that's the the real work of the third sphere of 
the biodynamic Demeter Alliance, we have three spheres. One is Demeter, which is the certification. The other is the cultural sphere, which is kind of the work that was what the Biodynamic Association did for close to 100 years. Um, and that was all the education, the research, all of that. And then the third is economic development, market development. So that's our third uh, priority for this next year is how do we create something that is going to be that's really going to grow the biodynamic community or uh, sorry, uh, grow the biodynamic marketplace. And then the fourth priority area is um, to be able to uh, recruit more producers to get Demeter certified and recruit more producers to be practicing more biodynamic agriculture. So that is the, you know, those other areas that I listed, those other three priority areas are all sort of pathways to be able to increase the implementation of biodynamics on the ground. So those are those are the areas that we identified. And now we're coming close to having been through that for a year. And so uh, immediately following the conference, we're going to be meeting again and saying, okay, we've had a year looking at those. Now we've had a chance to bring everybody together. What does that look like? And then um, how is it that we can um, take the knowledge that what we hear from the community and put that into practice as the national organization to really move the movement forward? How do we best serve the biodynamic movement? How do we best serve the planet? That's what we're working on. It's it's so, so exciting, Sheila. And I know that uh, many of us here at the Y on Earth community are um, engaged in some related similar projects. And so I can just feel the uh, excitement and the enthusiasm about uh, what's happening in our world right now. Like it's such a challenging time on the one hand, and it's such a an extraordinarily hopeful and and invigorating time on the other and it is it, uh, from my perspective having been a a fan and an observer of the biodynamic movement over these past several years um i i gotta say that i'm just i'm i'm really uh energized around what's happening and with your leadership and others in the uh leadership and management and the board of the uh, biodynamic demeter alliance it's it's just so uh invigorating and and hopeful again to use that word uh the leadership you guys are exhibiting and uh, what a, what a what a fun wonderful uh opportunity we have in a handful of weeks here to get together and celebrate in person thank you yeah i mean one of the roles that i had was i was the development director for marine organic which is um was started by Sue Connolly, who um, has cowgirl cheese, and um, Warren Weber, who was part of the original group that wrote the organic standards. So these were like the the four four parents of the organic movement were there in Marin, and um, it was so lovely to have the chance to work with them, and that really inspired me to see what was possible because this was. 20 years ago, and we were able, by working with government agencies, we were able to create the first all organic county in the nation. And we were able to really change people's ideas on who their farmers were. You know, by the time we were finished with, or not finished, but you know, as the years went on, we had 
farmers were they would walk in the room and everybody would stand up and give them a standing ovation. And it was really fun to see that that change happen in the community, which wasn't only great for the farmer, it was really great for the community. And I really think that um, we can do that as the biodynamic movement, working with other organizations that are allies, that, you know, they may be biodynamic, they may be not biodynamic, but they're very much thinking along the same lines and working with local government, working with state governments. You know, we we just need to shift people's perception a little bit. We need a, we need a paradigm shift. We're at this place, it's an amazing time in humanity. And we we need to we need to step in and be those leaders, right? So, you know, as we're thinking about all those children that are in these schools that we're trying to find the gift that they have and these farmers that are looking at the gift of the land, we need to turn to ourselves and think, okay, what's the gift that we're supposed to be bringing back to this world? We, we landed on this planet for a reason. Let's use this time really wisely. Let's make this place all that it can be. Let's help enliven the wonderful world in which we live. And that's what I think this conference can be. That's what the showcase can be because it's gonna take all kinds of people. It's gonna take people that are, you know, not everybody's gonna be a farmer, but everybody eats. And so we all have an opportunity three times a day or more to make a decision as to what does our world look like. And that's what we need to be thinking about all the time. So absolutely wonderful, Sheila. What a joy. Well, thank you so much. I know it's a, an extremely busy time for you uh, preparing in these last few weeks ahead of the conference. We're so excited to have the opportunity to visit with you today to share this with our audience and uh, look forward to celebrating in person in a few weeks. And um, but before, of course, we're going to record our shorter behind the scenes segment uh, in just a few minutes here, Sheila. But before signing off, I just I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. And if there's anything else you'd like to say to our audience, uh, my friend, the, the floor is yours. Thank you so much. Mostly, I'm just grateful to be here. And I just really hope as many people as possible, whether they come for a day to the conference or they come to the showcase or whatever it is that they're able to do. We want to see you there. We want to build this community. We want to grow this tent to be as big as we possibly can. So I really hope to see you and everybody else and all your friends and neighbors at the conference in November. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Sheila. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The Why on Earth Community Stewardship and Sustainability podcast series is hosted by Aaron William Perry, author, thought leader, and executive consultant. The podcast and video recordings are made possible by the generous support of people like you. To sign up as a daily, weekly, or monthly supporter, please visit whyonearth.org support. Support packages start at just $1 per month. The podcast series is also sponsored by several corporate and organization sponsors. You can get discounts on their products and services 
using the code YONEARTH, all one word with a Y. These sponsors are listed on the whyonearth.org backslash support page. If you found this particular podcast episode especially insightful, informative, or inspiring, please pass it on and share it with a friend whom you think will also enjoy it. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your support. And thank you for being a part of the Why on Earth community.